This program is brought to you by the partners of A Root Awakening International. Help others find truth. Support A Root Awakening International today. It's difficult to truly understand Yeshua's love without understanding what it means to be adopted, to have all the rights, privileges, and freedoms of a member of a family that we don't belong to. Rodney Thompson helps us grasp what it means to be grafted in by sharing his own story of being forgiven and brought into the family of Yehovah. Because it's the end of the sixth day, the sun is set, and this is Shabbat Night Live. Shabbat Shalomi, homies. Yeah, it's been that kind of week. <laughs> Welcome to Shabbat Night Live with Michael Rood. Tonight, we are going to clear the air. We are going to clear the air on one of the most un misunderstood concepts of our faith, uh, being grafted in. What does that mean? In fact, a better way to think about it is being adopted. The Bible uses this term, both terms, but somehow we fail to truly understand who the head of the household is mm. when we come into the house as an mm. adopted child. We need to think about this. Rodney Thompson helps us to understand this tonight in the final episode of Impossible Odds. Know what else seemed impossible? The fact that Shavuot happened on the exact same day as the shouting down of the commandments. Shavuot arrives this Sunday, according to the astronomically and agriculturally corrected biblical Hebrew calendar. There you have it right there. Let's talk about it with my co-host, Angie Clark. Shabbat Shalom, Scott. Shabbat Shalom, Angie. So yes, uh, we, just before the cameras came on, you said, I love how Yehovah is so intentional. intentional. What do you mean by that? Well, we're looking at the 3,000 that fell in Mount Sinai, yep. and then we're looking at the 3,000 that were restored at the day of Pentecost. Oh, good point. So good point. I'm, I mean, and numbers. I mean, he's just, he's so mathematical. Yep. So there's always a reason behind the numbers. Mm -hmm. And uh, we could go off into that. Well, that's okay. For example, 70, the 70 nations, right? So everyone yes. hearing, uh, so everyone speaking in tongues, right? Right. So that for what purpose? So that all who were gathered there could, could hear understand. the Torah yes. and the good news in, in their own language. Yes, yeah, right? intentional. And mm -hmm. now we think about, okay, go back to Sinai. People say, oh, well, that didn't happen at Sinai. They were was all Hebrews. Oh, really? Do we miss Exodus where it says that a mixed multitude a mixed went up with them? multitude, yes. So, and you know, Egypt had enslaved many different types of people exactly. to build their empire. And many of those people left with the Israelites, so surely they weren't all speaking Hebrew or even Egyptian. Maybe Egyptian was a second language or something. But mm -hmm. I'm sure that when Yehovah shouted down those commandments in fire, by the way, and thunder, just and like the <laughs> yeah, just like the tongues of fire, exactly. and all that, right? At Pentecost, I'm sure he had it so that, and the Torah doesn't tell us this, but I'm I'm making an assumption here that I'm sure all of them heard it in their own language. I believe that. Because I do. how could everyone fall on their faces and like, right. wow, he's speaking to me in my language. Right. Oof, right. This right. God knows right. me, you know. Right. So powerful. Yes, powerful uh, I love that stuff. Yeah. And it just, you know, and I don't know how we missed it in church. That <laughs> this was the same I don't event. No, I And it's just basically the anniversary of one and the other. I mean, how do we not grasp this? But right. I don't know. Right. But I uh, know I love that. Um, so thank you for bringing that kind of stuff mm -hmm. out. 
Now, uh, we only have a few days left of our love gift, so I think it would behoove us to talk about this. Okay. Uh, now, first of all, Shavuot is this Sunday. Yes. And so we want to bring that out. So if you haven't planned on that and celebrating that, make sure you celebrate that this Sunday. Uh, but the love gift we have is only a few more days, and that is No Place to Hide by Vera Sharav. Vera holds the record of uh, the most popular love gift ever uh, had here at A Root Awakening. That was her last yes. one from two years ago. We need to listen to her. Yes, this one, very wise teaching, no place to hide. What is she talking about? Holocaust survivor, Vera Sharav. She was very little when this happened. She's four or five years old, something mm -hmm. like that. Warns of important comparisons between the Nazi regime and the Great Reset, who to watch, how to resist their tactics, and why today's technology makes the trap so much harder to escape. Yeah. Very, very important Not teaching. Not conspiracy you need theory. No, this, this is, is the real deal. This is a conspiracy against us. Right. That's what it is. And so, you know, you need to get this. This is why we have love gifts like this on DVD or Blu-ray. No one can take this from you. No one can take it off of YouTube, anything like that. It's in your collection. You can watch it anytime you want, okay? Mm -hmm. Until they come door to door and start taking stuff like this away. So, watch it now. Memorize it. So, that's that. That's for a love gift of $50 or more. For a love gift of $100 or more, we'll give you the teaching. And this thing right over here, this is the Israel 75 Years of Miracle book. Uh, it's a coffee table book. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. And it's uh, basically all the miracles along the way here of the last 75 years that have made Israel Israel. And we have the Shema. Angie, uh, tell us what this thing is. Well, this, I love this for one thing. It's the most important prayer uh, in, in history for mm -hmm. our Jewish brethren. And um, what it does, the proceeds help those who have made Aliyah. It gives them a job. So they'll have a means of support while they're in the land. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. And so it's a very beautiful uh, metal tooling. Uh, it is. They called it's it gorgeous. the Golden Shema, and it has uh, English and Hebrew on it. Mm -hmm. Very beautiful stuff. Yeah, love it. Now, uh, one other thing we wanted to mention was something we have on the app. Now, the app, we have the podcast. So we, we've talked about the Messianic Net with Ted and, and uh, Don. Mm -hmm. They run that every Tuesday. Uh, and then we have the podcast. We have a Shabbat Night Live podcast. We have a Health Awakening podcast. And now we have a Rude Radio podcast. Of the Yeah, the guests who are up here and we get their backstory. Mm -hmm. And then we have something uh, on the app. We, we always put those things that are a little, little dicey on the app. And we think, well, maybe, maybe we can't put this on YouTube. We better put it on the app. Well, when we started talking to bioterrorism expert, Mark Fulmer, he was, it was fully intentional that we make this a Shabbat Night Live series. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when you watch it on the app, you'll see the Shabbat Night Live uh, theme song and everything because we thought this was gonna be a Shabbat Night Live. And then we kind of gave it a second thought going, you know, Ooh. YouTube's really important to the ministry right now. <laughs> we yeah. don't need to get, get kicked off. So this is- And we the, want it out there. And we so want the best this out place there. for it to be is on the app. Exactly. So the, his book is called The Wuhan Incident. And we did a series with him called Wuhan and the Great Reset. We lay it all out there. I mean, we're talking World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, mm -hmm. the Great Reset, what it's all about. How does Wuhan tie into it? This guy is a 20-year bioterrorism expert. He knows stuff, mm. and he's telling you the stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised he told us some of the stuff he told us. Mm. Uh, so you need to watch this. This is on the app. There's been a new uh, episode. Every two weeks, we've been releasing them. If you missed them, go back to the app. You can see them all there. And the next one is May 31st. So in a few days, we'll release, I think this is the last one. Yeah. Incredibly powerful stuff. Good, good, good. From a guy who really knows what's going on. Yeah. I mean, we talked about stuff maybe we probably should not have talked about. Put it that way. 
Yeah. Put it out there, brother. We, we, we got to put, put it, it out, out there. there. Exactly. Yeah. So again, last few days for the love gift. Uh, thank you so much for supporting this ministry. This is just our, our gift to thank you. Just remember, you're not buying this stuff. These are gifts for Michael to say, if people support this ministry, right. I want to give them some. So this is that something. Vera, by the way, did not ask for anything. She came willingly, did the, the teaching with us, and she didn't wants to ask get it out anything. there. I mean, it's right. time. It is time. Yep, exactly. To get this stuff out there. Yep. So thank you, Vera, again, and uh, thank you for supporting Shabbat Night Live. And thank you for being here, Angie. Thank you. All You're right. welcome. So Rodney Thompson helps us grasp what it means to be grafted in by sharing his own story of being forgiven and brought into the family of Yehovah. The Kiddush with Michael is next. With international corporations pulling the strings and digital currency at hand, the great men of the earth are attempting to close the door on personal freedom. There's no place to hide. No attics, no basements, no haystacks, nothing. No place to hide. People really need to understand that, to grasp it. Holocaust survivor Vera Sharav warns of important comparisons between the Nazi regime and the Great Reset. Who to watch, how to resist their tactics, and why today's technology makes the trap so much harder to escape. This teaching, No Place to Hide, with Vera Sharav, is our gift to thank you for supporting A Rude Awakening International. When you donate $50 to this ministry in May, we'll send you No Place to Hide with Vera Sharav on DVD or Blu-ray. Donate $100 and we'll send you No Place to Hide, plus a coffee table book commemorating Israel's 75th anniversary and the miracles that made it happen. Donate $300 and we'll send you three gifts. No Place to Hide with Vera Sharav, the 75th Anniversary Book of Israel, and a beautiful piece of art featuring the Shema in Hebrew and English, made by immigrants to Israel. These gifts are a limited time offer from Michael Rood to thank you for your support. Make your donation today and receive the $50 gift, the $100 gift, or the $300 gift. Get these exclusive thank you gifts when you make a donation to support A Rude Awakening International in May. Call 888-766-3610 or get your gifts online with a donation at monthlylovegift.com. If you like what you see on Shabbat Night Live, you'll love the bonus episodes, now available only on the michaelrood.tv app. These bonus episodes dive deep to give you more serious study, cutting-edge content, and righteous raves you won't find anywhere else. It's Michael Rood Uncut. Sign up now to get the michaelrood.tv app free for 14 days. It's everything Michael Rood, plus all new bonus episodes you won't find anywhere else. Sign up to watch now at michaelrood.tv. Several years ago, I was in the land of Israel and having Sabbath dinner with a group of Messianic Jews. They brought out the Negelvesser, the two-handled pot, and they said this prayer in Hebrew, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctified us by your commandments, commanding us concerning the washing of hands. 
I stopped. I said, this is exactly what Yeshua did not do. He said, this is takanot. This is a commandment that is added by the Pharisees, and Yeshua said, do not follow the takanot in Maasim of the Pharisees. Don't do what they do. Say you're doing it for me. Yeshua said, as often as you do this, this is what you do. You take the bread, and especially on Shabbat, we do this in remembrance of him. Barukata Yehovah Elohim Melaka Alam. Hamotzi lechem min haaretz. This is how Yeshua blessed the Most High with the very blessing that Melchizedek spoke to Abraham and Abraham. Abraham saw Yeshua's day and he rejoiced because he recognized the broken body. And Yeshua said, "This is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me." And then Yeshua took the cup. And he said, Baruch Atah Yehovah, Elohino Melaka Alam, Borei Pri Hagafen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Yeshua said, this represents the renewed covenant in my blood. As often as you break this bread and you drink this cup and you say this prayer, you recognize that it is all about me. It is all about me and that you'll be drinking this cup with me in my Father's kingdom. Lahaim. Shabbat Shalom. We all have that moment. I had that moment. You've had that moment. That moment where you first encountered Yeshua, you've been going to church, and then he says, come out of her. What does that mean? What Torah, wait a second. I thought the law was dead. What, what do you mean that, that marries perfectly with Yeshua in the New Testament? And all this angst starts going through your mind. Well, Rodney Thompson had a moment like that in Nashville. Welcome back, uh, Rodney, to Shabbat Night Live. It's good to be here. You had just finished, as we recalled last week, a 40-day fast. And uh, you were with a, a bunch of people, 30,000 people at in least, the stadium. And, and there was this call. Uh, the spirit of Elijah from to the, be released. There you go. Thank you. Yeah. So, and then you were called to read uh, Malachi 4. And we left everyone last week saying, read Malachi 4, 4. And, uh, and meditate on it. So I wonder if you could just recap what that was all about. I can't. I'm not going to read the whole chapter again. But if you'll go to uh, Malachi 4 in chapter 4, verse 4. It says, before Elijah is sent, which I believe is the, the literal individual that's coming, but there's also a spirit of Elijah that seems to be working in God's people. But part of that that people miss is, remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Oreb for all Israel. And all Israel is us. I mean, the northern house. We, we, are, we are Israel. And so, but when I read that, at that fast, after that, I saw a vision. Another vision, God speaks to me through visions, and that's the way he communicates to me. It's biblical, people, it's very much in the Bible. So in this vision, I saw a timeline, and I was standing at the time, it was you know 2007, and I was standing in this timeline, and he says, remember the law of Moses. And so when you remember, that means it's been forgotten. 
to remember something means it's been forgotten. So there I was sitting in 2007 and I looked back in history trying to look at Moses to remember the law of Moses. And when I looked back, I was looking at Sinai, but a cross came in between me and Moses and it was empty. Jesus was not on the cross, which represents the resurrected Messiah, okay? And so there it was, this cross between me and I mean Moses. And I try to look around the cross to Moses and the cross moved. And I went mm. like this and the cross moved again. The Lord said, whenever you view the Torah, you view it through the lens of a resurrected Messiah. Mm. If you remove the resurrected Messiah to view the Torah, you diminish God. You're diminishing Yeshua. And so he was telling me, we have to keep the resurrected Messiah foremost. And if we view, we don't forget Moses, but it's always through, we're on this side of history of a resurrected Messiah. Actually, I follow Yeshua. And as a result, I observe the Torah. I don't follow the Torah. I observe the Torah, but I follow the good shepherd. That's me and my life, so... Yeah, that's why I say to people too, and they, some folks don't get that, that I say the how-to manual for how to be a Christian yeah. is the Torah. It's the discipleship. Right. It is. Yeah. Yep, that's, that's how, what is a sin? How, how do we obey? That's right. It's, it's all those things. It's all of those things. Yeah. And they're all applicable for today. And so, and so often I, I feel bad when I came into the Torah, when I was getting these revelations, I was very much um, in the charismatic camp. And they all, I got rejected a lot mm -hmm. because of this. And guess what? You know, I never forget sitting there and being rejected because of these visions I was getting. And I, it started changing my life. I started having to change the way I was living. I started doing the feast. I started eating clean. All of these things started happening. And, and, and I was asking, God, why am I getting rejected like this? And he looked, he said something so clear to me to this day I remember. He said, do you want to be like me? If, if we're a disciple, we're to be like Yeshua, correct? Yes. He said to me, if you want to be like me, you're going to have to be rejected by your own people, which he was. He said, this is not something you can learn about. You have to experience it. And that's what he said to me. And so basically, by being rejected, I had a choice to either become a bitter preacher or forgive. There was no middle ground. I had to learn to forgive. And guess what? I had a choice. I didn't have, I could have become a bitter preacher, but I chose to forgive by my own free choice. And guess what? You know, it's really helped me and, and learning to forgive like he forgave, which I'm still not there, but it's a learning experience. Why do you think that happens? Because, because I've seen that too, where, where you, it's the spirit just kind of, do we get too caught up in, in the Torah and then we just, I, th I think, too I think we what? get too caught up in the jots and the tittles and we miss the heart of God. Mm. It's the heart of God that we need to be capturing for me. Yeah. The jots and tittles, I gotta be honest with you, bore me to death. <laughs> I mean, if I sit there for hours and hours and hours, my feet go to sleep, my, ting my toes are tingling. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, that's just me and my personality. I'm called to be an evangelist. I'm called to go out and preach the gospel. And when I'm evangelizing, I'm preaching saved by faith alone, being baptized in the Holy Spirit alone by faith, but then we disciple them into the Torah. Mm -hmm. 
That's what we do. Well, exactly, because once you're brought in, I mean, let's think about the whole terminology we use. You're brought into the house of God. You are adopted. That's all right. of these grafted family, in. grafted in, That's all these absolutely. family type words. Mm -hmm. So if you are adopted into a family and you come into the house, if you were a former drug user, if you sure. were on the streets or whatever, and you mm -hmm. come into somebody's house, there's house rules. That's right. And that's, that's right. how you remain in that house, mm -hmm. and that's how you are blessed in that house, by following the rules. And I was the master of all rebellion, and the Lord laid down to me. I mean, it says the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, will lead you into all truth. And that's what the Holy Spirit did. We don't have to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. So much of the Torah is afraid. The real Holy Spirit will lead you to Sinai. It will, it will not discount the, 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 the Torah of God. Mm -hmm. It won't discount it. We may interpret it a little differently, and that's okay, but it will lead you to that. Yeah, there's gonna be a million different uh, opinions, right. but like I said to somebody recently, that's why there's yeshivas in Jerusalem or in Israel to this day. That's right. You'll never stop you know, talking about the Torah, giving different opinions about the Torah, different right. ideas about it, mm -hmm. because it's, it's a living word. That's right. That's just it. Is. It. it is. It was God that gave it. Mm. I, I actually believe Yeshua was on Sinai. Yeah. Given uh, he was the burning bush, I believe he was there. And then th during this time in my life, you know, we're getting up to 2008 and 2007. Is when I started getting, I got reconnected with David Robinson. Oh yeah, who, who works here now. And uh, it was during this time I was living in Kansas City, and I was married, and and uh, we, and I called this season of my life the season of Sinai. You know, it really was. Um, all the ministry, the evangelism, just ended. Um, God took me and sat me in the home. My business slowed down, and guess what? I was forced to face my lack of holiness in my life. It really, because I had a lack of holiness. I, I was running and gunning, serving God, serving God, serving God, but I was having outbursts of anger in my home. I was impatient, I was selfish. Uh, I thought about myself, I didn't think about my kids. And guess what, the Torah doesn't teach us that. The Torah produces the fruits of the Spirit. And God was leading me to that. But I met David, and David was able to give a lot of biblical foundations to what I was getting from the Spirit. And I was able to tie spirit and truth together. Mm -hmm. He said, my people worship me in spirit and truth. True worshipers will worship them that way. Full of the Spirit, words of knowledge, healing, casting demons out. I have casted many demons out. I've, I've seen it, it happens, it's real, and I cannot discount it, but spirit and truth together. And I, I did a teaching just recently called Two Wings of the Same Bird. If you try to fly a bird with one wing, what happens? It just flies around in a circle. You've gotta fly with both wings. Spirit and truth, there's two wings of the same bird. Mm, very well said, and, and you know, like to your point about the outbursts in the home and that type of thing. Yes. We've all been there, but that's growing weary and well-doing. That's right. That's right? right. We're, we're paying too much attention to what we're doing instead of who we're doing it for. Get, don't get caught up in the jots and tittles. They're important, but got to capture the heart of God, the heart of God and why we're doing it. Mm -hmm. why, why, is he, why is he doing this? And it was during this time I started having all of these visions about the Torah. I had the vision of the two tables. So you've told me this story, and, and in this story, there's this, uh, it, was, it was a vision of 
Two tables or one yes. table or something? What two, was it? Two tables. Two tables. And it was during this time in my life after I met David that you know he was establishing scripture with the Torah visions I was getting and I saw a vision of two tables. And there was a pair of glasses on top of each table and there was a sign in front of each table. And one side said Rome and one side said Jerusalem. And a voice said to me, put on the lenses of Jerusalem and you'll see me rightly. And I knew that if for me to put on this lens of Jerusalem, I would have to take off this Rome lens because I had been viewing him through a Greek lens and it changed how he looked. But a different prescription, if I put on this lens of Jerusalem, this Hebraic view, it changed. It, actually, I saw him rightly. It was the right prescription. So what were you seeing wrongly with the Rome glasses on? What, what, what? Very dispensational God. Uh, he's not the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus is detached from the feast. Um, there are his feast. Who is the Lord? I mean, if we, who is the Lord? Yeshua. If he's the Lord, then they're called the Lord's feast. They're not hmm. the Jewish feast. They're the Lord's feast. And so we have detached him from the feast. And the Lord said to me, I want you to reattach me to my feast in your heart because I never detached myself from my feast. Mm. You have. And so the act of, of this end time spirit of Elijah coming into spirit and truth is reattaching him to his feast, which I believe is in fact putting him back on the seat of the Messiah of Israel for the coming of the Lord. He's going to come back and he's going to be sitting in the seat of the Messiah of Israel. So at this time, so you've been shown this and yes. you go, wow, I'm seeing, seeing him through a wrong lens. Mm -hmm. Where were you at this point with things like Christmas, Easter, Sabbath, uh, the feasts, for example. Yeah. Where, I mean, where were you and how did you come to terms with that? And I mean, we were celebrating Christmas. Um, I, 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 since the beginning at the Assemblies of God, you know, in my prior part of my testimony, I had kind of stayed away from Easter. Something just didn't feel right. So I stayed away from that. But we were still doing Christmas. And, and it was during this time that my daughter Esther was born. And I got to tell this story. This is so significant in our lives. My wife had a dream about the Christmas tree. And, and the Lord in this dream said, get that idol out of here. And literally, so we're sitting there and she says, I had a dream. The Lord said, get that idol out of there. And in this dream, she saw these snakes coming out of the Christmas tree into the house. And it was during this time, Esther was going to be born. And my wife's name is Maria Elena. It had, its base is in Helen. Well, we were going to name Esther Elena. Her name was going to be Elena Grace Thompson. I want to say this right. It was during this time the Lord spoke to us to name her Esther. And we didn't really know what it was, but I knew it's because her name's Esther Grace Thompson, which is more of a Hebraic name and not Helena Grace. And he was taking us from that Greek. He was unsyncretizing us. The, the cup that had the particles of impurity in it that didn't belong, he's wanting us to get rid of the particles that don't belong to be holy and set apart 
as part of this whole process of, of having a nation of priests that are holy and set apart, but he's gracious in doing this. He's, he's leading us to do this, preparing us for something that's coming in the future. So how, how did that come about? I mean, you had her name picked out, you're all ready to go, and what, I mean, so you have this vision of the, or she has the, the dream Actually, of the in the Actually, in the baby book, okay. on, on her baby book, it says, Elena Grace Thompson, and I marked Elena out, and I wrote, but God named you Esther. It was actually God named her Esther. And I believe that when you, when God names a child, it is their prophetic calling in their life, and every time you say their name, you're giving a prophetic decree in their life. You know, I have to agree with that. So my son's name is Van. Yeah. Very, I mean, I just like the name because it's original, not many people have it. You know, Van Morrison, there's a couple other Vans, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But, um, I never gave it much thought, but then later, you know, sometimes Jehovah reveals us to you later, right? So, Van in, uh, you know, in, in Dutch, I mean, well, he wasn't named after, you know, someone in, in the Netherlands or anything, but Van means from the family of. Wow. And my last name is Laird. Well, in Gaelic, that's the Lord. Oh. So his name means from the family of the Lord. Praise God. And I, we never realized that when we named him, but now he has this prophetic name. And every time you for say the rest that of name, his life. it's prophetically decreeing that over mm -hmm. them. I believe that. I mean, yeah. so if you're about to have a child, ask God for their name. Yeah. And if even, you if gave, you, yeah. even if you don't understand what it means. just Even if you don't understand. And yeah. so there's many other things. So the identity of sons and daughters. How, what does the Torah have to do with the identity of sons and daughters? You're asking, what was the church teaching me so wrong? The church was teaching me I'm a Gentile. That's not what God says. And the way he showed me was a vision. Um, I was in the kitchen with my daughter, Esther, and in this vision, I had an adopted son. And the son was an African-American black man, black child. Mm -hmm. So I had a black child and a white daughter. Okay, that was my real flesh daughter. And in this vision, they were having an argument. Okay? And, and, and basically, during this argument, my son, walked, my adopted son, walked around to go to the refrigerator to get something out of the refrigerator. And Esther said, you can't go to the refrigerator. You're not even a real son. She was a young child having an argument with her brother. And as a father, I heard that. And I went, oh no, Esther. When I adopt, he's the same to me that you are. Mm. He has access to the refrigerator just like you do. So when I'm adopted, I got adopted into God. He views me as the same as a natural born. Holy Spirit is on that. He said, we got access to the refrigerator as sons and daughters, just like the natural born. And that's what he was showing me. And it's mm. like the church is... When I call myself a Gentile, I'm saying I don't have a father. I'm orphaned. I'm not. I'm Israel. Israel's the family name. It's the family name. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, right? So that's you're, the way you're he John and me. Jane Israel. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the two children. Yeah. Actually, I named my son. God said his name will be Jacob Israel Thompson. And I named him Jacob Israel Thompson. And guess what? The Lord said, the day he's reborn, I want you to start calling him Israel as a prophetic calling to identity. Identity as sons and daughters. So a lot of people don't realize that I think coming into the Torah, the covenants, the promises that Malachi talks about is access to the refrigerator, the, the blessings of God that come from the Torah. It's not a burden. 
Right. It's coming into a good father, his house, and his inheritance. And, and it doesn't matter what's in our past because if we adopt a child, no. they say, oh, but you, you don't want me. I've done this, I've done that. I don't care. It doesn't matter I what care. I feel about it. Right. How does he feel about it? Exactly. Who does he say you are? Now you gotta go to the word of God. Yeah. I mean, what's the whole point of being adopted? Is to give that child a better life. That's right. So what are you gonna do? Of course, if they're gonna feel guilty about their past, of course you're going to say forget about it, right? That's right. So let's, let's get back on this when we come back from the break here. This is, this is a really good conversation. So we're talking with Rodney Thompson about being adopted, being brought into the family of God and what that means. And uh, maybe you've never thought about it like this before, but I think this is a good conversation and we're gonna continue it after this. Uh, we're gonna break for just a second here. Thank you for giving to this ministry to make it happen. We're gonna give you a couple more minutes to do more of that so others can see this into the future. Thank you in advance. Amen. And thank you for your support of Shabbat Night Live. Before the break, we are talking about going to the fridge, whether you're a natural born part of the family or whether you are grafted in or adopted. Uh, right. This whole vision that you had and then uh, you, you named your son uh, Jacob Israel. Israel. So that when he makes his decision to follow Yehovah, he will be called then Israel in That's your right. house. That's right. And the Lord asked me to do that as a prophetic sign of his calling. Mm. In his life, which I believe his calling is about identity. Yeah. And that he, I'm going to be speaking that into his life, his whole life. So you're teaching your kids all this, and at this point you still uh, are grappling with the things of uh, Easter and Christmas and all this. I'm and, still at syncretism. Yeah. So God's really big in getting rid of the mixture, the mixture in our life, getting back to the, the, the jug I was drinking, come out from among them lest you share in the sins and plagues. And I do want to make this point that he showed me something about because he's going to come and shake everything that can be shaking and that anything that's not of him, he will remove. So if, let's say if I'm shaking, but you're not, what if, what if you're holding on to me and I'm shaking? What happens and then to I'll you? Start to shake, yeah. You shake. So basically the coming out is detaching, not touching, so that we can actually be standing right next to someone who's shaking and, and we won't be shaking. And they'll say, why aren't you shaking? And we'll create opportunities to be a witness while we're not shaking because we came out from mm -hmm. agreeing from the things of darkness, heart agreements and mind agreements. And so, so it was all about getting rid of the syncretism of a, a people set apart and holy. And then again, you want to separate. This is not the righteousness of the cross. The cross is provided by God hanging on the cross. This is about us and our walk in this world. And in this walk, you're, you're an evangelist, so obviously you're like, okay, I want to take this out. That's so right. where did you take it out? You're going, okay, I'm, I'm sure you prayed. Lord, where do you want me to take yeah. this message? And so where do you take this? Well, I'm an evangelist. I consider myself. I believe the Lord said I am. And so, but I, I, it's a lifestyle. So wherever I would go, I'm evangelizing. But I, I would really start going up to the reservation. We started going to Rosebud Indian Reservation. It's the Lakotas, the Sioux yeah. Indians. So why did you choose that? Why? why well, why it was actually the ministry that I was working for at the time. They, that's where they went, and the director wanted to go. And they set it all up. So I went. I was the outreach coordinator of this group, and I, and so I went with them. And we 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 had a, a group of students that went with us and we were teaching evangelism during this time and um, never forget going to the reservation and, and I was starting to get all these things of the spirit and all of my Christian friends were doing Christmas, doing Easter and all these things, you know, and so I'm, I'm kind of stuck in the middle being tossed to and fro. I'm knowing what God's saying, but the Lord, but man's saying this, so who am I going to follow? Right. What God's saying or what man's saying? And so it was a really contentious time. And like, 
You want to come to our Christmas party? I don't know. I think I'm supposed to. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But we started going to the reservation, and we were going during what's, there's a festival that they have that's very pagan, and they smoke peyote, and, and they do all these things. And, and we were on the reservation, and we were doing evangelism. Well, we were having some people really encounter God, mm-hmm. and they were, you know, coming to the Lord and, and coming to wanting to know the Lord. And we were advising them to come out from these pagan practices and start, um, you know, discipling and, and doing what we do. Sure. And the Lord spoke to me clearly. He rebuked me for this. And he was like, you need to take the log out of your own eye before you pluck the speck out of somebody else's eye. And I went, uh. what? He said, you think just because you're it's this white church of America, you can go into the Native American land with all of your pagan festivals and think uh-huh. that it's okay? And it was like, and I was, that was really one of the last straws the Lord had of my resistance. Yeah, that's uh, an ouch right there. That was an ouch. <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, even many people in our team wouldn't receive it um, mm. because it was, I, 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 it was for everybody. So you shared this with everyone. I shared it. I said, God's saying this to us. And, and they, they wouldn't receive it. They said, no, that's for you. And so, and, and Huh, really? You know, it's a, it's a contentious time. I mean, we're taught we're ta- we're taught to love people no matter what, but I really had to make a choice: Am I going to follow God or am I going to follow man? Mm-hmm. And uh, and and that that message He gave to me about the Lakota was really the last straw. And so God was calling me as a season to step away from being a witness because He had some more preparation for me. And coming into Torah was going to help in this. Um, the Torah's job is to reveal sin, is it not? Mm-hmm. I mean, it reveals sin, in which, in my view, sin, the revealing of this sin, should turn us to the only solution there ever has been for sin. It's Yeshua. He's the only solution for sin. Mm-hmm. So Torah should make Jesus grow in our lives. It should. It shouldn't diminish it, if it's done properly or biblical. And so I was in this season, and so the Lord, the Torah was revealing the sin in my life. And so I ended up having a long season of no evangelism after this time of the Lord showed me this with the, with the reservation of being with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I was working some, even the business part slowed down. I was starting to get rejected by a lot of churches um, for the Torah, for observing the feast and not doing Christmas, not doing Easter, mm. and doing Passover and Feast of First Fruits, you know, all, all of these things. They're going back under the law. That I'm whole going thing. back under the law. And there's a lot of misunderstanding, just a whole lot of misunderstanding. And then, what are you trying to be Jewish now, you know, and all these? And I was like, no, I'm adopted, you know. And so I, I was trying to do this. But what it did is it created a time where it was like in, enhanced pressure in my life. Uh, I never forget telling my wife, it felt like I was in my home because I'm real outreach minded. It's hard to get me to sit still for a good long time. But here I was in the home and I felt like I was in a room full of mirrors and everywhere I looked, there I was. And I couldn't get away from myself. And so my own selfishness, all of these things. And so really what started happening is that the fruits of the spirit started being developed in my life, kindness. So it's like if my daughter's having temper tantrums. I mean, how do I react to these things? God was mm. teaching me what holiness is. When evil confronts you, not that my daughter's evil, but if evil confronts you, how are you going to react to it? Um, he was really starting to talk about a Jonah complex. And because and, he wants me to react 
to darkness with the fruits of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, not the deeds of the flesh. Um, Jonah, what do I mean by what's a Jonah complex? He was teaching me the Jonah complex is where God's calling you to go to your Nineveh. Mm. Are you going to run or are you going to go? And Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because he knew God would forgive him. And so he was really showing me how things are going to become so dark that we need to be willing to go into our Ninevehs. Mm. That God wants, he's seeking for those he can save. He didn't come to destroy the earth. He came to seek and save it. You know, he is going to judge the earth at his second coming, but we're not at that time yet. We're still at that time. We need to be witnesses to the world. Right. And so, yeah, well, you know, someone pointed out to me one time that the uh, the fruits of the Spirit, they yeah. start with love and continue on out of, uh, out of Galatians. Oh, you have it right there. So Galatians... Where is it at here? Galatians 5, I believe, right? 5, 12. Walk by the Spirit. Is it, well, it says right here, the deeds of the flesh, though, but if you are led by the Spirit or not under the law, now the deeds of the flesh are evident, immorality, impurity, sensuality, and jealousy. He said, but the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Right. And that's what somebody brought to me one time, is that you have to start with love, and self-control is the last one. That's right. That's the hardest one. I mean, can you control the tongue? When, when pressure's on and you're in a heated argument with your wife, can you control the tongue? Um, that was where God was teaching me was in the home. Mm. I mean, and, and I love my wife dearly with my, all my heart, but who upsets me more than anybody else? My wife <laughs> or my kids. Yeah. And it's like, how am I going to react to them? So he started training me mm -hmm. with them, with the fruits of the Spirit. And it was like the more I used it or the more I tried or the more I meditated on it, the better I got. I never forget during this season, my family, we were having some tough times. Uh, we were raising three, you know, two and three kids. Um, we were struggling. My wife comes from a broken home. I come from a broken home. How do we raise kids and how do we be kind and not inflict wounds on them like was inflicted on me? How do we not do that? Even being saved, I still had the, the choice to act out of the deeds of the flesh. And I never forget, we started uh, praying every night. Mm. Every night my family comes together and we still do it. Come together, we're gonna pray. If, if anybody needs to forgive anybody, we're gonna do it. We're gonna teach our children how to respond out of kindness. When, when something is going wrong, we can say, I'm sorry, I reacted the wrong way, but I want to be kind. And, and by doing this, the fruit started growing in my life. And, and little did I know he was preparing me for more witnesses, for more evangelism, because he wanted to pull me off of that to be a better representative of who he is. Mm. And we, we were bringing that up too uh, before we came on was that in order for that fruit to grow, uh, you brought up a good point, was that it Gifts takes- Gifts are given. Right, and it, but it takes time for, the, for fruit to grow. Fruit is right? grown. And it needs the spirit, That's because right. what is spirit? Life, breath, all that kind of it thing. Is. Well, that, without life and breath in that tree, for example, fruit can't grow. That's right. So you gotta have the spirit in order for the fruit to grow in order to 
obey his word. I mean, it's all cyclical, I, right? I used to say this. I said, I really didn't know how selfish I was until I got married, okay? And then <laughs> I didn't really know how selfish I was till I had my first child. And then I really didn't know how selfish I was until I had my second child or my third child and so on and so on. So there's just been deeper and deeper levels of sanctification that's come with time, the watering of the spirit, just the word, the watering of the word, marinating on that. So God's put me in time out. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's not disqualification. The discipline of God is good. He's a good father. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the Torah did to me. It, it, it's put me in time out and said, let's develop your character a little bit better. And that's really important for us dads, isn't it? Because how many times have our wives said, and we said, no, that's nonsense, that's not fair, don't put that on me, where they say, and they're right, your tone sets the tone for the entire household for the entire day. So if dad blows up about something at the beginning of the day, everyone's day is ruined. Mm. And we say, how can that be my fault? Come on. But it is. If if we're leading the house, that's our responsibility to react Appropriately. Even if we say the right thing with the wrong tone. Yep. I mean, I, I'm, I'm saved now and I, I know the right things to say. But I'm saying it in a bad tone. It's not loving. <laughs> like, That's I'm, not love. That's just saying the right thing. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's presenting right? a, a presentation of holiness that's not really real. Right. It's not real. It's not genuine. Yeah. Fruits of the Spirit, we can get to a place where the fruits of the Spirit is genuine. It's real. It's like, it's not saying the right thing. And people know that. When you're standing in front of somebody to be a witness about Jesus, if you're not genuine, if you're just telling them about something you heard about, they'll know that. Mm -hmm. They will know. But if you're telling them about somebody you know or somebody that lives within you and is growing from out, they will see it. And I've I've experienced that. Mm, wonderful. Yeah. So you take this to the, the Lakota people, did, So and God puts you in a timeout. Did you go back with the Torah to these folks? I have later on mm-hmm. in life. I have. Um, I have, um, you know, right now we're going to be coming in to, you know, being a witness and discipling the nations. Mm. But, uh, you know, we've actually spread the witness up to, um, um, what's it called, Standing Rock Indian Reservation in Cheyenne River. And so, and we're developing um, Shabbat groups up there now. So yes, we've gone back mm. and it's a much better witness. It really is. You know, uh, my wife and I uh, spent a lot of years in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, up in, uh-huh. up in Canada. And there's a, a, a very large uh, percentage of, of First Nations folks there. Mm-hmm. And like the Lakota, there, there's the, uh, the Cree people up there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but with, with your experience with the Lakota, but you know, a, a lot of these First Nations tribes are very, uh, they're very spiritually minded. Yes. They, you know, they've got a good understanding of the spirit world. And so when you bring the Torah to them, when you bring Yeshua to them, wow, do yes. they grab on and they are some of the most powerful believers mm-hmm. you've ever seen. Have you found the same thing? Yes, I, I think it's in their DNA. I really do. I mean, I've seen, I've actually seen Lakota building sukkahs in their backyard. They didn't know why they were building them. <laughs> really? Yep. They were, I saw it in my mind's eye. I just wanted to build it. I mean, and, and so th- there's a connection, I think, with them to the nation of Israel that's deep within them and it's waiting to be awakened. Um, I, I really do. All First Nations people for some reason. And so I, I really believe it. And uh, even like the Cherokee around here, yeah, there are, there are some compelling reasons to believe that they are connected to the twelve. 
some of the 12 tribes. Yes. They're, they're, are they this lost tribe because they're... they're Hebrew tablets and all kinds well, of... Well, exactly. And, they, and their festivals really mirror mm-hmm. the Torah. They look right. a little different, but gosh, there's a lot more similarities than there are differences. There is. There is. I've heard... I've heard Testimonies and about Solomon when the northern house got dispersed, they went to all areas of the world. Um, I believe they went to all areas. Hmm. There's evidence that they came here. I believe they came here. I really do. And uh, and then what was one of the sins of the northern house is they intermarried with the nations. And so whenever they went, they 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 played the harlot with the nations and they married and they had children, and it created. There's a great Hebrew blood all over the world that eventually it's going to get called back. So I believe that, that really the witness of us learning Torah is, is arming us to spread this message to those who are going to be called back to Israel. And I think that's more widespread than we think. You know, I like, believe it is. Because we, we say, oh, I don't have any Jewish blood. Or, and whether you do that's or right. not, it doesn't matter. But I think there's a lot more of that in the world than we realize and when we all come back together, we're going to get a shock as to who really was part of this, even just by blood and never realized it. Mm-hmm. Rodney, thank you for being here. And thank you for being here. This has been a great series. You know, something we never even got into is what Rodney is doing right now. Yes. And it's called the 1040 Mission. So that's the 1040 window, basically evangelizing to that part of the world. We have a whole love gift based on what he's doing there. I encourage you to check it out. And right now, you can go to the website at the bottom of your screen and you can support what Rodney's doing right now. You know, all of these things take support in order to do this. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we don't like to mention that a lot, but, you know, we have to because that's Mm -hmm. the only way this happens. Uh, There are certain expenses that happen with doing something like this, going across the world, even virtually, uh, and connecting with folks there to bring the truth of Yeshua to another part of the world that is, frankly, quite hard to get into. India and Pakistan. India and Pakistan are very hard to get into. So with your help, you can help Rodney do this. Mm -hmm. So yes, Shabbat Night Live goes all over the place, places that have internet, but a lot of these places in the 1040 window don't have internet. So what do we do? We need someone on the ground, boots on the ground, and through the technology of through a phone, Rodney can can deliver a message to those folks, to someone else who has a phone on the other side, they translate, and if you watch The Love Gift, you'll see how this all happens. So your support can help make that happen. So again, please go to the website on the bottom of your screen. You will be helping Rodney directly, and uh, we just thank you again for that. Thank you for watching this series, and uh, we just really appreciate your support of Shabbat Night Live, and until we see you next week, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom.